Morning, all you lovely lot out there. Welcome, one and all, to our beautiful Denim Star Sock Stars to Season 2, Episode 6, Thrift Store Shopping and Taking a Deep Dive Further into what is really going on in the thrift store world at the moment, where we have come from and where we might be going on our thrift store journey ahead, especially so as after having the amazing Faye Delante on the show. She really helped us open up the dynamic world and discussion on how thrift shopping has found itself at a crossroads as there are just so many variables to consider now that have made our thrift store shopping ever more changing as we consider our part that we can play in not only discovering sartorial treasures but also helping to make the planet a better place to live to live yeah ever more changing is right isn't it ems and i mean are the days where we just pop into our friendly neighborhood thrift store and find a well-made natural fiber designer item on the cheap still around i mean you tell us folks what have your you know your thrift store adventures been like these days are there still treasures to be had for our beautiful denim star sock stars out there i mean let us know yeah i mean let us know yeah mm-hmm. right folks i mean instagram us with your latest thrift store finds as we have come a long way denim star sock stars haven't we with our actual thrifting and thrift stores and everything that stands for when we specifically take a look at the history on the topic and what our beliefs and perceptions were at the time until up until now mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. been quite the adventure hasn't it really Bill? Oh, yeah i mean uh you know just to really deep dive it would have to start with what i found and you and i took a look at it in time magazine i mean what they had to say back in the day about you know the very topic of this you know quote unquote normalization of thrifting mm-hmm. which you know eventually happened over the years and uh, you know it was a quote that you and i i mean it really stood out for us where they said in time that you know there is a stigma attached to wearing used clothes that mm-hmm. had you know been owned by you know previous strangers and not only were the items themselves a sign of lack of money but there's also this bias against the people selling the clothes you know, used clothes were often available from push carts, you know, that predominantly started by Jewish immigrants whose professional options, you know, were quite often constrained by, you know, anti-Semitic uh, prejudices. And those prejudices, unfortunately, rubbed off on their wearers, which were, you know, thrifted clothing by all accounts now. And so, you know, when you and I looked at that example, it was back in, you know, I think it was May 3rd, 1884, Mm -hmm. in an issue of Saturday Evening Post where they ran a a satirical story about a girl who got smallpox from purchasing a dress she bought from a Jewish-owned resale shop. So then, you know, there you go. That's where the continuation of this, this stigma of thrift store shopping happened that, you know, if you bought used clothes from, you know, strangers, people that you didn't know you're going to get a disease (laughs) oh wow i mean fascinating i mean Mm -hmm. resellers folks in 1884 are you hearing that date so to Mm -hmm. now as Mm -hmm. here we are in 2022 we've come a long way from stigma to now recognizing the privilege 
In the second-hand market, as the normalization of thrifting has gained traction in time, right? Oh, and yes. yeah, that's my doggy being a guard dog right now. Hey, Bill. Yeah, he's going in. He's seconding that emotion. He is. He is. Oh, yeah. I told and you I, he's the COO, didn't I? He is. Yeah, he's segregating two, th- two paws up from Billy Bob. But, oh, yeah, I mean, the whole topic about the gentrification of thrifting is no slouch. I mean... Once you take that deep dive, it gets complicated. And even, you know, with all the critiques and the comments on the matter, for many of us, the state of thrifting now still doesn't seem to capture its actual significance or nuance, does it, Ams, when you really take a closer look? Right. Oh, yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, you and I were talking about it and we still feel that mainstream thrifting and all reselling is not as problematic as they've been made out to be as of late, hey? So, and that for us, specifically, the benefits of the normalization of thrifting far outweighs the cons, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Thrift shopping in the end is always better for the planet and can help support community organizations, you know, doing important work as we know, right? Get, you know, giving people the flexibility as to, you know, having a way to earn a living and then reselling clothing uh, can only make it easier for people, you know, to eventually buy used clothes. And so for the most part, anyway, um, <clears throat> and uh, and then for those of, of us who, you know, might beg to differ, well, that's great, too. That's awesome, too. We're still in a democracy and we have our own opinions about things for sure. So let's take that deep dive if we can and get the dialogue rolling, hey folks? Oh yeah, I mean, by all means, dialogue. Please feel free to share it with us all. And so then on that note, we also want to make the clarification that we're not trying to tamp down on the fact that secondhand thrift store prices are rising. Like everything else these days, they're rising. But we might mm-hmm. want to ask ourselves, why is this? That thrifting itself is becoming less available to some communities, partly due to these rising costs. But suffice it to say, we don't believe that any one group in particular particular is at fault for the rising prices. We may not agree with one another, but at the end of the day, arguing about the causes to the changing thrift store dynamic isn't going to get us anywhere. Well, at the same time, if we were to consider making thrifting less popular than it is today, that wouldn't solve our trashed clothing situation, along with the inevitability that less money given to our local thrift store social programs eventually would become problematic for our overall communities. It's a domino effect, isn't it? It's a domino effect, so true. And, you know, although we don't really have a good solution regarding those rising thrift store prices, other than like our discussion with Faye Delante and all her tips and tricks that she she mentioned, you know, the important thing to consider is to just try to give your clothes directly to the people in need, you know, through community events or local organizations. And to remember that much of the literature on this situation reminds us that what's happening with our thrift store situation is a systemic issue. And that, you know, we might want to just to focus instead on securing a, you know, a better living wage for folks, fighting for higher minimum wages, as well as, uh, you know, encouraging thrift stores themselves to just start, you know, free tables for free items. 
that might be thrown away as well as perhaps, you know, offer thrift store vouchers for people in need instead. All amazing tips mm-hmm. for sure. Especially as, like you say, this is a systemic problem that we are all part of. And given that, for the most part, thrifting and reselling will be with us for a while and for many more years to come, hopefully. And that there are ways, you know, to be especially mindful of our communities in need. Sourcing the World Mm -hmm. Wide Web, here Mm -hmm. are four tips that made the most sense to us overall to help us stay on track as well as thrift more consciously. So one, Mm -hmm. buy what you need and know you will wear it. Mm -hmm. It helps Mm -hmm. ensure we aren't stuck in this endless cycle of overconsumption and disposable fashion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, scouring the web, so true. And Faye, Faye mentioned some of these as she well. She did, and, yeah. yeah. And number two, you know, you just want to be super careful. Shop at consignment or vintage stores. You know, as well, uh, some folks have recommended buying from sustainable brands if you can afford it instead of going to thrift stores. Personally, I like the idea of shopping secondhand as I feel it's, you know, mm-hmm. always better sustainability-wise than buying new, even it is if it is from an ethical label. But then keep in mind, and, you know, if you're concerned about purchasing thrift store clothing from the needy, there are remedies. You know, avoid stores on low-income neighborhoods. Instead, shop at a higher-end consignment or vintage stores. And for the real sellers amongst us, you're out there. Estate sales can also be a valued resource for inexpensive, you know, high-quality pieces when considering, you know, where to shop these days. Mm, all very thoughtful stuff, mm-hmm. especially when you think there's no need to avoid thrifting altogether, since your money often may go to support important causes. But if you happen to live in a community where thrifting is a necessity, Mm -hmm. then these ideas might be a good option for sure. And for those of us that want to shop a sustainable brand, as we might want to support companies that are doing good and make a difference as well, depending on where your priorities are within this dialogue, me thinks denim star socks. <laughs> I laugh out hey? loud. <laughs> I mean, laugh out loud, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mm-hmm. mean, it's mm-hmm. all good. Mm-hmm. And then coming in at number three, avoid buying high need items in low stock. Some of these items are in higher demand, and those tend to be plus size clothes, professional clothes winter jackets and kids clothes and i would just like to add in there that yes you know when you go back to some of our past episodes when you're supporting a sustainable brand often they are using fibers of composition that are supporting organic farmers so it's a huge topic to always touch on, but I'll just add that in That's there. An awesome. Yeah, awesome point. And, you know, we'll just, yeah. like I said, I think this is morphing into a three-part series. So we'll just continue on this incredible, you know, fascinating discussion that just keeps, to, you know, it's expanding as we go along. But great mm-hmm. point, Sims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't necessarily see a problem with buying these particular items for fun, as it were, if you're actually going to wear them. But, you know, try to be mindful of the stock available and maybe, you know, maybe just don't purchase them in bulk to be on the safe side you know because you can always ask the store manager if you want to learn about general trends in stock for example as high you know higher end need items really can vary by you know store to store but then you can also talk to them and find out you know when they they throw things out or as you can feel that there's more certainty that you're you're not going to be taking you know 
quote, taking things away from others who might be, you know, relying on them for themselves and their families, which, you know, they mentioned too. If you're, you're, mm -hmm. you're you know, uh, circuiting certain thrift stores, you know, make that your community, form relationships with the managers and the staff and see what's going on. Ab suggestion. And yeah, connect with folks in these communities. Educate yourselves, people. Have also suggested going to the $1 bins in thrift stores. If you're planning to buy in bulk, this is usually the final destination for items before they're tossed out or shipped to developing countries. And with free clothing, this goes without saying, don't take advantage of free clothing charities. If you aren't actually low income, there are some organizations that offer free professional clothes or prom dresses, and those are specifically targeted towards people in need. Going there when you can pay for your own clothes is just wrong. But we know these things already, right, folks? So right. And then like you say, it goes without saying. And then finally coming in at number four, if you need to donate clothes, choose reputable, you know, local organizations. Keep in mind that donating clothes is not necessarily the best way to clean out your closet. As we know that most clothing in thrift stores is, you know, thrown away anyways, you know, so we forget about mm -hmm. that point. There are yeah. posts on the internet on how to get rid of clothes responsibly. So we may get into this a little more on another podcast episode later in the podcast. But for now, some alternative <laughs> ideas might be, you know, using FB Marketplace or sites like freecycle.org to give your clothes away. All great takeaways <laughs> for sure anyways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how to throw away your clothing when it can no longer be of use to anyone really needs to be explored a bit more. But for now, once you've exhausted those other options, though, try to donate to small organizations that you know are doing good in your community, like homeless shelters, or domestic violence shelters and centers. Yeah, yeah, that will be uh, you know, fantastic continuing topic of discussion mm -hmm. to explore further for another podcast for sure down the road, Sam's. But you know then in continuing on with our deep dive, so then let's take it a further step and, and look at how the gentrification of thrifting, i.e. you know, thrifting and reselling and its discussion and ethic, as it's been referred to in the literature views on gentrification, all came about over the years. Oh yeah. I mean, well, with the idea of thrifting mm -hmm. trending over the years, many critics have argued that the popularity has resulted in the actual gentrification mm -hmm. of oh, thrifting, okay. you yeah. know? And by that definition, it means that thrifting has been made inaccessible to the working class and now taken over by the middle and upper classes. And although mm -hmm. thrifting is encouraged for environmental reasons, some folks feel that we should put an end to thrifting or stop reselling, as the result is that it is hurting our low-income communities. Hmm. And then, and and while like many of you, M and I also shop thrift from time to time. Mm -hmm. Just as a note, you know, I, you know, excuse me, I'm not a reseller, and either is M. At least I don't think M is a real seller, uh, as far as I know. We don't flip clothing for a living, but rather, you know, do donate our, our gently used clothing from time to time. And and then you know, so as we 
dive deep into the topic, while I think these arguments come from real concerns and, you know, empathetic neighbors, I don't really feel that, you know, they get to the root issue or the cause. So let's go deeper and explore the ethics of thrifting and reselling and, you know, what we might discover in that realm. Great point, Bills. I mean, I might add that I don't have a personal stake in thrifting and reselling Uh either. Like Bills, I try to thrift when I need to purchase clothes, but not very often. And no, I'm not a reseller. Although I have resold my clothes in the past, but I haven't gone out thrifting for clothes in order to resell them for profit. Uh So yeah, Uh it's not a side hustle for me. And although I feel that resellers have in the past been you know mischaracterized in a lot of thrifting content stay tuned as we learn more about the other side to reselling while we explore common criticisms of thrifting and reselling in the world of secondhand clothing these days well yeah and and i feel you know i have a feeling that this discussion like our past discussions on sustainability you know and you remember how long that went on is Mm. going to turn into quite easily a three-part series so stay tuned, folks, as, as this deep dive just keeps getting deeper. You know, we're now in the Sargasso Sea of thrifting. So let, yeah. let us get on with it. I mean, number one, we hear this criticism a lot. And it's to do with, uh, you know, prices are rising due to demand. You know, yet folks, prices are on the rise. And so, you know, all the big example was Goodwill's valuation guides. Mm. And, you know, they're proving this when, you know, they compare 2010 to 2020. And then we would see that Goodwill now recommends ranges instead of a flat base price. And uh, and as they know that the upper end of the 2020 range is often three times as much as the 2010 base price. Folks, you know, blame rising prices now on thrifting the popularity of it. But I think it's a lot more complicated than meets the eye. Yeah, right. And the argument overall seems to be that increased demand leads to, you know, scarcity. So which then results in increased prices. But keep in mind, folks, that most thrift stores have an overabundance of excess clothing as only 20% of donated clothing to thrift stores is actually sold. So the rest is thrown away or sold to developing countries where it puts local textile workers out of jobs. So perhaps in this instance, higher demand isn't necessarily leading to scarcity. So that the demand isn't directly causing higher prices. Well, I wasn't actually aware of that. And so so really when we actually take a step back, like you know, we're doing here and think about it, some other potential factors like increased operating costs you know, and inflation, which is about 19% that has occurred over, you know, the last 10 years, you know, then this, this means that the value of say $10 in 2010 is now about what they're saying, $12 in 2020. You know, we're not, <laughs> we're not economists, but beyond that with restore rents increasing we would like to hope that you know at least employees salaries have gone up though again you know from the literature that you and i looked at corporate thrift stores have a lot of labor issues it's you know it's only normal that these prices have you know then increased 
So true. And with so many of us experiencing larger price increases that can't be explained away by inflation, I think in those events, we might want to look at the decisions of the Fristor's corporate offices, where the 2020 Goodwill Valuation Guide showed, in the instance of Goodwill, wants to get the maximum possible payment for their product. So, for example, There have been instances where purchasers have noticed that the Goodwill in the past have priced an item with original tags higher than the original price tag, which mm. is mind boggling, right? Well, yeah. And, you know, I've heard about that. I've for you know, major thrifter friends who have mentioned that. I've never seen that, Ems, but I haven't. Mm. I, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it myself, but that, mm. that would be pretty outrageous for sure. But I've heard about it. And I mean, folks will argue that thrift store popularity is responsible for the rising prices. But in my mind, it wouldn't lead to higher prices without, in fact, creating another phenomenon to consider. And that is going back against the scarcity. For me, anyways, the issue isn't popularity, but rather the thrift store is taking advantage of the situation. And, and simply just raising prices. Right, yeah. And instead of actually blaming individuals for thrifting, maybe we might want to consider blaming, you know, corporate greed. We're using Goodwill as an example here. So perhaps when we see that the CEO of Goodwill made 700, gosh, $730,000 in 2018, all while paying workers in some instances with disabilities, sometimes less than a dollar an hour, then we can clearly see, you know, the inequity a little more closer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then I know I uh, took my breath away too. And then mm. keeping in mind that, you know, the other external factors regarding the affordability of thrifting, including mm. in this example in the U.S. was, uh, you know, stagnant minimum wages, you know, so if hourly wages aren't going up, then everything else becomes more expensive with inflation anyways. But overall, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't really think it's entirely clear where we should be pointing our fingers sometimes, you know, however, I'm not entirely convinced that the increased demand for thrifting is the main offender here for the higher prices that we are experiencing. I mean, the, the literature is going mm. back and forth. I mean, all food for thought, for sure. Number two in the mm -hmm. world of critic mm -hmm. on thrifting and reselling, thrifting for fun takes clothes away from those in need. We already touched upon that. So there's generally a huge excess of clothing at thrift stores and that there's more than enough to go around for everybody. However, it's been said that you could argue that higher demand is leads, leading to scarcity of the good stuff. Of the good stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's, you know, we talked to Faye about that too. Where, where is the good stuff? And, and, and so one really uh, out there, uh, sustainability blogger, Lee Weiss, uh, she was a former thrift store manager, remarked, you know, just when we, we might feel that all the leftover thrifting clothing is actually ratty and gross, that most of the excess items are in good, good condition, at least in the burbs and urban stores. Um, mm. and, and then she emphasized that in her low volume thrift store, they didn't even have space to put out 30% of the sellable items that they had on stock. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you're headed, you know, to low income or rural neighborhoods, there may indeed actually be a scarcity issue. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. why it's important to be mindful of where you actually do your thrift 
you know, shopping. But mm -hmm. if you're thrifting the suburbs or the city, scarcity doesn't seem to usually be a problem. Let's hear from our beautiful denim star sock stars about what their experiences have been as of late. So get in contact, guys. You know, how has it been in your friendly neighborhood? Thrift store lately this past summer. We'd love to hear your stories. You know, this is an open topic. Exactly. And for sure. And then, you know, uh, keep in mind that folks from different income brackets are sometimes looking for different things too. This mm -hmm. isn't to say that, you know, lower income folks don't want nice things or can't have them. But if you're say, thrifting out of utter necessity versus thrifting for fun, and, you know, let's face it, I've been thrifting for years. I never even thought about that mindfulness. You're probably not purchasing the same items as it's been said that some things are just too impractical. And mm. for those of us who thrift for fun, probably like to think that we need what we're buying. But mm. did we actually need that crazy star studded G-Jack with sequins or a, a shirt with a unicorn drinking a pint of Guinness? Perhaps not. Or or maybe, you know, that sounds pretty cool to me, actually, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I, I, I completely agree with you. And I will add there that um, it's through Anchor that actually hosts our podcast. So I can add the question on to there and folks, you can actually include your answers. You can let us know. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I'll I make sure it. I do that. But I know, right, a Guinness drinking unicorn. I mean, that <laughs> may, you know, it may be a need right now, you know? Exactly. What else could happen to us? I know. Unicorns in oh, our Guinness. Gosh, honestly, it's one thing after another. Mm -hmm. But in all seriousness, mm -hmm. which brings us to number three, mm -hmm. thrift halls encourage overconsumption. It seems to me that this criticism gets at the culture around mainstream thrifting for certain. So we've all seen them, these huge thrift halls on YouTube that aren't really about shopping in an environmentally conscious way. It's only really out there to promote overconsumption and the idea that we need an infinite amount of clothing hauls to fill our, you know, anemic wardrobes at home. <laughs> I know, I mean... It does get you wondering, right? Do do we go thrifting just for the content or, mm. you know, not because we can actually, we actually need the clothes. And then also I wonder how much of that clothing do we actually wear from those halls? And, you know, as we're not, we're not saying that the thrift haul videos are a bad thing, if not an excess, you know, as sharing a, a reasonable amount of clothing for a haul. Uh, you know, still encourages folks to buy secondhand. You know, we we still don't really see anything, nothing wrong with that. It's just that overconsumption part. Yeah, right. I mean, it's quite another thing to buy cartfuls of clothing only because it's cheap or trending <laughs> or, you know, only to show it off and then never actually using it again. So in that mm. event, the other guy could have needed it more. So particularly when you're purchasing high demand popular pieces for necessity and not fun. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, again, on the flip side, of course, one might think that buying loads of clothes in the end supports the charity behind the shop. So it can't be all that bad. But in the end, you know, what does, you know, come across is, is this again, this overconsumption in, in and of itself is, is the unhealthy part. As we might not know, you know, what these folks are doing with their clothing, clothing holds afterwards, you know, are they used or just thrown away, you know, thereby, you know, perpetuating this overconsumption behavior that, you know, then reinforces the idea of, you know, the disposable fashion and high trending turnover. Yeah, I mean, which then brings us full circle 
with the fast fashion behavior purchases too. When we feel that we must have this or that trending piece in every color because it is just so darn cheap. And where Mm -hmm. we are seeing now an endless supply of fast fashion items clogging up our beloved thrift stores. So the good news is folks that slowly but surely we are becoming aware of our old habit and trying to become more consciously aware of our purchasing choices in order to save the planet, right, Bills? Oh yeah, and then, you know, like you said, the key words being becoming more consciously aware of purchasing, you know, our purchasing Mm -hmm. clothing choices. And then on that note, we come to criticism number four in that reselling makes thrifting inaccessible to those in need. In all honesty, Ems, I used to feel that reselling was all very questionable but now I'm I'm more on the fence in that when it comes to reselling, folks seem to make the the usual arguments that we've mentioned prior. And that is that one, uh, that resellers contribute to rising prices and the other, that they're taking away clothes from low-income communities. It's when you start discussing reselling versus thrifting as individuals though, where we things become, you know, we see these things become a little more com- complex. Oh yeah, I mean, as mentioned before, Bills, and I don't think we can directly blame any one group for the increased thrift store prices for the reasons we already mentioned. But you might make the argument that resellers show that people can and will pay more for secondhand items, leading stores to raise prices. But then again, you could also argue that the items in a thrift shop versus a reseller's shop are almost different items, even if they're the exact same. For example, you find the ultimate little black dress in a thrift store. To get the dress, you had to get to the thrift store, rummage through the racks, try on a bunch of stuff, wait in line to check out and go home. If that same dress is in a reseller shop, usually online, you don't have to do any of that. Essentially, you're paying for two different shopping experiences. So resellers and thrift shops aren't necessarily direct competitors is how I see it at the moment. Yeah, right. Okay, so, and then, but then what about the resellers who, you know, overprice their products or scam people? This is obviously a problem. It's it's not really that related to thrifting, but let's, let's get into it here for a moment. Like much of what the literature and bloggers have said, it's first important to point out that, you know, resold products should be marked up at least enough, you know, to account for the time and labor put into getting the item, cleaning or repairing it, listing it online, and then interacting with potential buyers. Otherwise, resellers would be operating at a loss. Right. But keep in mind that most reselling platforms charge commission and shipping fees. So the price you pay isn't anywhere near what the reseller is getting. Poshmark, for instance, takes a 20% cut, so with a minimum, say, $3, and you must use their shipping labels, which works out $7. So if I list an item at $10 and the buyer pays $17, you know, I'm only going to get $7. So of course, there's always going to be those, you know, dodgy sellers who will try to sell Walmart pants for $40, you know, or try to pass off a five-year-old sweater as vintage. However, Mm -hmm. the takeaway here is that we need to understand that there's a difference between ripping folks off and running a legitimate business. Yeah, right. And then, so what about resellers, you know, taking away quote unquote clothing from the local community? So with resellers,
dollars tending to purchase more than individuals isn't. Do you do you find that problematic? I mean, from what we know now, again, mm-hmm. there's still such an excess of wearable clothing in thrift mm-hmm. shops. So I don't think it's cause for alarm. I mean, a bit. I mean, of course, it's different narrative. If you're literally buying up whole portions of the shop, so mm-hmm. for example, children's shoes or something of the like, or if mm-hmm. you're shopping at low volume stores and you know you're actually hoarding all the nice pieces when in doubt it's always a good idea to form a relationship with the shop manager and ask about their stock and Mm -hmm. in some instances reselling can also make secondhand clothing more accessible yeah yeah because when the resellers do chime in and talk about their experiences running their businesses and how reselling has impacted their lives you know along with some of the the benefits of reselling it's important and helpful You know, if more folks were to actually understand the process that resellers go through in order to make a livelihood while providing more access, you know, accessibility online for the, you know, the secondhand clothing arena, uh, uh, there's a lesson in there for sure. It's it's an excellent teacher. Exactly. Because for resellers, it takes both time and money to resell. So the costs aren't that much, but they add up gas, packing materials, cleaning and, you know, repairing the product Mm -hmm. and the items themselves. You know, the selling platforms also usually take about 15 to 20% of the selling price and of the postage price. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of time involved spending part of a day shopping then cleaning everything and doing small repairs, you know, arranging and photographing and then choosing, cropping and uploading photos. Then there's the figuring out of pricing, measuring and, you know, weighing of each Mm -hmm. item, Mm -hmm. filling out listing forms and writing appealing copy, choosing Mm -hmm. SEO as in search engine optimization terms. And finally... (laughs) putting each thing away safely for storage until it's purchased. And I tell you what, you know, that's a lot of running a sustainable brand as well. There is just, it's all the background, the logistics to get that product onto people's radar to even want to consider purchasing it, you know, and and it's all the SEO work and writing interesting copy. It just takes so much time. Absolutely. And, you know, and then, but we only see this, you know, this pristine, sanitized product, but all, right, you know, exactly loads and loads of work behind the scenes that you would never know about online. Once you find your, your beautiful treasure, not to mention all the answering of customer service questions that you have to deal with. And then when something sells and then there's the packaging, as you know, M's the packaging, the labeling, taking yep. it off to the post, you know, um, when you did your big fundraiser all, and then mm-hmm. having to get all your merchandise out along with the most difficult aspect of all uh, the service and the expertise of then knowing what to look for and trying to choose items people will be happy to purchase from your your reselling business i mean it's endless endless it is Mm -hmm. it really is i mean wow just so much involved there but then as denim stars founder everyone here too knows you know as i was explaining you know Mm -hmm. chiming in there that Mm -hmm. much hard work is put into running our sustainable sock company and then hopefully one day getting to the point where you are at last able to make a livelihood at the end of the tick you know the end of the day right oh yeah i mean either way it's all the blood sweat and tears Mm -hmm. that you don't actually see online but have some kind of inkling that the wheels of industry you know are just merrily 
slowly turning away, away yes. you know, along. And nevertheless, and then getting back to the, you know, the goodwill thrift shop aspect of our episode in this podcast, I can quite honestly say that this is definitely going to spill over now into yet another episode of this three-part series on thrifting. It's, it's, you know, we just can't seem to forget that for the reseller, when we think of goodwill and the people who donate to them, you know, they, they are providing the reseller with an actual job to keep that in mind. You know, for example, mm -hmm. when people buy things for themselves, as the reseller also will buy things for themselves, it's great mm -hmm. fun, but it isn't mm -hmm. giving someone a job. But for the reseller who is actually buying things for their customers, these very donations that the resellers purchase from uh, to then sell online or offline or actually providing them with a job. And for many resellers, they don't make much money, but they're, they're glad to be able to do this for a living. Wow. I mean, exactly. When you look at it from their point of view as the reseller, for many folks, this is a side hustle or a gig that is helping to create a job and put food on the table all within the wider scheme of things. And what, you know, in the example of the Goodwill thrift shop goes on uh -huh. in relation to both the folks who shop thrift and those who are eking out a living from these secondhand clothes shops by reselling. Mm -hmm. As this lively discussion has now continued to morph its way into yet another episode, which we don't have time for right now, but let's continue this discussion where the New York Times has just recently left us this summer with their July the 6th, 2022 article, The Golden Age of Thrifting is over and where we will then continue to explore the ethics behind thrifting and reselling and the issue of the privilege as part of the discussion on the secondhand clothing market and whether the golden age of thrifting is over. Yeah, yeah, that will be so interesting. Is it actually over? Let us know, folks. I mean, you can chime in at any point, but uh, yeah, that just came out in the New York Times. And uh and then, you know, uh, on that note, let us know what you think about it all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, upload any of your, you know, your great finds, um, tagging it, you know, on our Instagram account at demonstar uh, underscore dot UK. And we are happy, really, you know, extraordinary curious at this point to really um, be interested in, in what you all feel about it. We, we do feel there's a crossroads happening and knowing uh, what all our denim star sock stars feel about the topic while we explore it um, further in the next episode. Definitely. Ems, I, I, you know, Ems, I rarely mention the Instagram account. Um, maybe you can check that out if I, I gave the right one. And, it was perfect. Uh, it was perfect. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so our Instagram account is at denimstar underscore UK, exactly how you said it. And yeah, if anyone wants to share photos of what they've been finding and styling themselves with, they can tag us there. Perfect. We look forward to that. And yeah, and as we know, it's been a very eventful month, hasn't it? You know, with the yes, passing yeah. of Queen Elizabeth II. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's to her great sense of fashion. And we cannot forget her handbags, right? Or oh, yeah. Her, yeah. yeah. Or her marmalade sandwiches with Paddington Bear. I mean, she definitely had a sense of humor, didn't she? So, to you know, here's to the Queen's 70 years of service, the original girl boss. What do you think, Bills? Oh, yeah, the original girl boss for sure. Well, God save the Queen and uh, thank you. Thank you, Mom, for all those years, you know, 75 years if you want to look at it. When 
when she gave that speech when she was 21. The right. original girl boss. Thank you. And uh, God save the king. And God save the king. It's a new era. That a is for era. sure. All right, Bill. So until next time, bye. Bye for now. I hope all of you lovely sock stars enjoyed our latest podcast of Socks and Sandals and Other Scandals Morning Cuppa with Emma and Billy. Next month, I will certainly be sharing with you your favourite portion of the podcast, which will be Emma's hosiery highlights. And as I mentioned before, going forward, we will be published once a month. So keep an eye out on Instagram and Facebook for announcements of it going live. Thank you so much for joining us on this Magical Mystery Sock Tour. If you liked it, give it a thumbs up, share it with your friends and as always, don't forget to sock it to me and subscribe. And being the Hosiery High Priestess as I always affirm, be the star you know you are. I'll talk to you guys later. Toodaloo, my lovely denim star sock stars. Until next time, bye.